You're listening to Show Pony Radio with your hosts, Sarah Patricia and Katie Joe. Because behind every buckle, there's a story. Hey everyone, what's up? It's Sarah here. I'm so sorry it took so long to get another episode up, but life has been crazy for me lately. It's no excuse, I'll do better. But you may or may not know, I'm in Canada, so I have definitely been in the polar vortex. And I hope you guys have all been staying warm, being safe with your colts, and enjoying the season. It's an exciting time. Uh, So this episode is part one of hopefully two, but maybe even three. It was a long one. Don't ask me how life got away from us. But it sure did. But it's a good one. I hope you like the episode, and we'll see you down the road. I'm a one-take guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Show Pony Radio. Hi, everybody. We're here with... John Boxel. Hey! (laughs) So John is uh, one of those people that's always been in my life and who I've always thought a lot of. Um, You might want to set the bar a little higher. (laughs) For sure. Um, there's a lot of things about John that everybody knows, but there's a lot of questions that I had, and so I figured, let's just do it on Show Pony. So here we are. John, tell us about your childhood and how you grew up. So I'm the youngest of five kids. Uh, my parents, or my dad, probably thought horses were a good way to keep five kids out of trouble in jail. <laughs> right. And it worked. He worked you hard. You went to, you went to the barn 365 days a year at 5 a.m., no exceptions. Unless you'd maybe been out a little late the night before, and it was going to be four thirty. Was it like a like a dairy farm or like? No, no, we had horses. You had horses. We had 35, 35 mares and two studs when I was a kid. Quarter horses. Quarter horses. Okay. Yeah. We had, we had cow, a few cows when I was little, and I remember him selling them off. Uh, and then he bought a few again back when I was in high school, and I just hated it. it. Got in the way of me going horse showing. What about your siblings? Did they show? Yep, we all showed. Pleasure horses or what kind of horses? Yeah, back then you just showed all day. Sure. You know, Everybody showed everything back yeah, then. Yeah, sure. you, you got up in the morning, you did halter. You know, my brother, my oldest brother, Butch, and my oldest, my only sister, Peggy, uh, have grand champion halter stallion trophies that are at my mom's house still. That's cool. Because, you know, they, they did away with it after a while where a kid couldn't show a stud. But my sister, my oldest brother and my sister both have grand champion. That's kind of cool. Youth, yeah. youth halter grand champion trophies. You're aging yourself, John. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> 1968, I think, was the date yes. on those trophies. Yes. Yeah. Well done. So you got to have a show horse, and you could keep it. And say we had the boys had to break the earrings, and say we had 20 earrings, mm-hmm. but you had four piece. Well, you got to pick. Well, I was the youngest. I didn't get a pick. I got what was left. <laughs> you got the stragglers. So I got the rats. <laughs> you know, but my brother Chris actually next to me. Always liked one tough one, so he would always pick one real asshole. He wanted the challenge. Yeah, he wanted he wanted one that could just flat get it on. And your job all summer was to get your colts broke, so my dad could sell them. And if you kept pulling one back at the end of that year, you could sell your show horse and keep your two year old and have it be your show horse the next. And just keep rolling. Yeah, and you just turn. You know, my dad just turned him over, and he said the years to love and show and have fun with, and he said they're mine to sell and make money off of. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, I mean, it's yeah. just your know, life of you know. Oh, like, for me, I had a lot of horses. I got broke, yeah. and then I never got to show them because as soon as they look good, boom. Right, and yeah. my dad would never take one away from you mid year. That's I, nice. Yeah, he never would. He'd let you finish that year out. What's with that him. like? Yeah. 
<laughs> we but, love you, WD. Sorry. But we didn't. But, but my dad didn't do it for a living. My sure. dad. My dad was a banker. He did it for you boys. Yeah, he just did it to keep us out of trouble. You know, I mean, and not you know, but yeah, they had to make the farm somewhat self-sufficient because he couldn't do it in a negative number. But you know, my mom had a job and she went back to work when I was little, and and she was an engineer. My dad was a banker, and that was our job. You know, we just we went to the farm all day, and we didn't get to go to town. So, what about school? Did you play sports in school, or did you just do horses? I played football. And basketball, like junior high, I played football my freshman year. Was I'm a slow white guy? How, how good a basketball player? <laughs> Word. Yeah, and so uh, I really. Where'd you grow up at, by the way? I didn't ask that question. Princeton, Indiana, just down by Evansville. So you've always been from the same area. Yeah, that's where I met your dad. I met your dad, Evansville, Indiana horse shows, and I met the Wayne Davis down there and we hit it off pretty okay the first weekend. I know that's hard to believe it. I really I know. have a hard time imagining that. Right. And honestly, <laughs> we have been friends ever since then. You grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And take me through like your... Because um... it's a transition from doing this as a kid to doing this for a living. Yeah, like, like, when it, it, is, it is. I graduated high school and I always rode horses. You know, From the time I was 15 on, I rode a horse for somebody for extra money. You know, ride colts for people. We were known as little wild freaking Indians, you know. We were assholes, so I mean, we would ride anything. Someone wanted to send one over, we got to ride. <laughs> Especially man. you, if you yeah. always got the bad yeah. ones. My old man would give you. He charged you a hundred dollars a month more for a training horse, and that was probably back when we only charged two fifty, three hundred to ride one. You know, you didn't make nothing. Yeah, inflation changes yeah. everything too. And uh, I then I got out of high school and I took a regular job with a uh, pipeline company. And I worked pipeline company and rode horses at night. And I remember having 20 head of horses to ride, plus a full-time job. Oof. I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I would go to the barn, which I lived. I bought a house, and I lived probably five miles from the farm or four. I'd get up at 4. I'd be at the farm. I could ride two colts before my dad would come out at 5 to feed. I would go to work. I would come home at lunch. I'd eat a sandwich in the truck, driving out to the farm. I could get a colt road at lunch, and then I'd come home after work, and I'd ride. We had a little old dust of dawn light and a little old shitty dirt circle out in front of the house, the barn, you know, and just rode colts. I, uh, I thought that was the greatest life ever. You had you a system. any of that? Oh, God, no. Hell, it's great. He had it timed out. He had a system. Yeah, I, got I, 45, a system. I got 45 minutes. I can get it done. I'm the best time management guy in America because of that job. I yeah. bet. That will but I hated stuff. every minute of it. I wanted to do was ride horses. So you hated your regular job and yeah. just couldn't wait to go and ride the next one. That's all one. I wanted to do was ride horses. When I was, I mean, you know, kid, you're a little kid. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. I want to be this. I want to train horses, dude. That's all. Like, it was glamorous. When I was a kid, I thought it was glamorous. You know, I mean, just thought it was the thing to do. Look at those guys. It's cool. They got a Cadillac and an inline. What more could a guy want? <laughs> you know? That's the dream. Yeah. They're just, just some simple things. When I grew up in the horse business, everybody had a six horse and a dually. Yeah. And my, my first rig, a crew cab dually and a two horse inline that I bought from John Mulholland that Doug Carpenter pulled MBJ Mudlark in. Also is a legendary trailer. Oh, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah, the greatest guy ever, you know. I mean, he, he was, you know, I mean, just a great guy. So give me like a, like a picture of what... The then, then I bought the sixth horse because <laughs> right. I couldn't make a living with an animal. All downhill from there. Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, give me a picture of the horse business when you were twenty-five. Like, 
In what way has it changed from then to now? Well, there was a lot more customers. Did they have any more money or, or anything? I don't know. You know, I just got people. My main business was what I call working class folks that send horses out. When I was in southern Indiana, you got two types of horses. You got a colt to ride or one that tried to, you know, kill you in the pen. So you got either a chump, to, you got a chump to fix or a colt to break. You know, there was no nobody left a horse with you year round back then. You know, there was there was other guys that got those horses. You know, until I went to doing it full time, then people thought, okay, I'll leave it. You know, that, so it wasn't a regional thing. It was just because you weren't doing it full time. I think it was thing. because they just didn't think you know didn't didn't think it was my full time job. So they wouldn't, you know, and you know, you didn't have horse shows all winter. We'd come home from the Congress, and there was maybe one Thanksgiving show. You know, I think Evansville maybe had a Thanksgiving show back then, well before Gordyville was ever built. You come home from the Congress and the World Show, there was nowhere to go with spring, you know. And I remember... Murray, People don't want to pay to keep their horse no, they, and they, they don't have anywhere to go. Because back then, everybody had a little four or five stall barn at their house. Yeah. Let that thing grow hair, keep its hair half-assed, and, and take it home. By April, we can get it sorted yeah, out. Yeah. You know, we can put the lights on it and put more blankets on it in March. And by April, it's ready to go horse show and send it to you. A 30-day tune-up, you're gold, you know. Yeah. And you went horse show on 1st of May. Do you think it's better today like it is or different or... Oh, it's way different used to get a whole horse show done in a day, but there might have been 35 classes. Sure. You know, now we've got 180 classes and it takes two days and there's some days, two days really aren't enough. It takes two and a half days at a major, yeah. you know, at a bigger event. Sure. And there's you know, horses that only do one class. And there's a course that does, yeah, does a class, you know, we're used to, I mean, it was very seldom anything was specialized other than... There was Western horses and contest horses. And a Western horse did the Hunter Hunter style. Called Brown. For sure, and you would show it with bands. I used to yeah. show my all-around horse with bands. Well, this was before bands. This is how we roached them. <laughs> oh, that, why don't we roach them still? I'm no kidding. That'd be way lot. easier. Because they would put all those bands all out of bands business and we like them. You're totally yeah, right. Yeah. That is an industry of itself. It is. I mean, good for them. You know, it's just like trail. I mean, Tim Kamura has created himself a career by helping the trail evolve. Isn't it amazing? How, we have look how big it is in our business. We now. have specialized horses and we have specialized disciplines mm-hmm. within the horse business. Mm-hmm. There's banders, there's trail designers, yep. yeah. there's professional judges that have never really they, they, shown. They, they just they study have, judging. Yeah, they went to school. They went to college and were on a judging team and now they're a judge. So it's not only specialized on the horse level, on the human level as well. I don't know if that part's always specialized. Well. I'm going to take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> or get in trouble with some of my fellow judges there. Did you ever work for anybody? No. No, trial and error. I love Mike Carter. Mike Carter tells a story. Somebody asked him in an interview like this one time, says, you know, what was your school? He said, the 10,000 horses I'd run. Um, you know, if I ever got in trouble, I remember being a kid, and, and I was in St. Louis at a horse show. I was maybe 20, 22, and Jody was the king, man. Jody Guy, was, sure. you know, he was baby Jesus. And I was at a horse show. It was no, it was in St. Charles. Places aren't even there no more. Jerry Jerry Motion's dad had a place, and there was Noah's Ark was the motel, and there was a horse palace or something over there. And you'd go over there like Labor Day weekend or uh, Memorial Day weekend, and they had a set of shows. And I think Jody watched me for two days, just beating my head against the wall, riding one. You know, it was just it had become a real problem horse. And and he he's out there, you know, and he's I'm sure he's watching me just fuck this thing up. You know, sure do everything. Yeah. And he says, 
Young man, he said, you mind if I can give you some advice with that one? I said, I, at this point, yes, sir, please. <laughs> and he says, I've watched you bust your ass on that thing for a few days now. I believe a horse only has so many good rides in it. And he says, I think you've met your quota. He says, cut that one loose. Well, you know, your ego's not going to let you do that. You're going to try when you're a kid. And he said, why? And he says, I really think some horses have 30 shows in them. He says, I think some have 130 shows in them. What? Whoa. Why not say that? Mind blown. Yeah. And you think I say about, that you to you all the time. You know, that I, and, and he, you know, he, he made a lot of sense that yeah. day. Yeah. You see that in the Rainers a lot, too. They have so many good runs in them. And, and so many they, people will burn them out and run yeah. them hard every time. And every they're just time. done. And don't school. You know, back then, you used to never school one. Never went in the pen and you school one. You always were trying to Was that back when they used to call you in on the rail while you were going around? Oh, yeah. Around? Absolutely. So you get horses that would duck in on oh, you? Oh, yeah. Then, or, or just lock up and turn. Like, My dad talks about that all the time. Oh, yeah. He's like, I had these horses that, that I, I well, would win. Well, then you explain it. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so they, they could, would they go could ahead. call you off the rail. Like, you'd be a judge, and there was really, there were certain guys, like, they'd shoot you off the rail. You'd be loping oh, to the oh, right, oh. and you'd go, you know, and they what? call you in and they place you. And yeah. that was their During way. During the class? Yeah. 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 Like loping, real time. Like, like you're, you're my winner, go. Yeah, you're like loping to the right. And they call and you would be like you'd be loping to the right, hawking that judge. You'd be just staring down. That's where John Barry learned to stare everybody down. Oh hey. Okay. Oh. Well, like, it's like the halter, so you place it in real time. Like you, this you is place my part. it in real time. And and those guys would line you up and that's how they would play. So if you yes. had a really good horse, they would assume that you're being called in and they'd just start doing it yeah. on their own? My dad said he had a really good horse back in that day, and the fact that he kept winning wrecked it. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell another good story. <laughs> because it <laughs> so, would, like, it would... It would it start would, to assume it needed to go to the end. duck in, and then it wrecked it. So this is a Gary Trubyism. Gary Trubyism. Yes. In Evansville, <laughs> Evansville, Indiana, this was a little shitty indoor arena, and we'd have 55 in the junior pleasure. There'd be two, three cuts. And... Junior Shopman would come, and Truby, and all them guys, and Bill Thompson. I mean, all these old school cats. Well, Gary Truby's riding around there, and this guy's calling him off the rail. Gary's, you can tell every lap, Gary's getting a little more pissed, a little more pissed. Finally, he just reaches up and slaps that bridle off that thing, and he's riding around that rail. Without a bridle? Without a bridle. No bridle. On. He's got the rain around his neck. He's bad now. He's Oh, no, he's just plain angry. The guy says, oh, you want to come in? He, so he calls him in. It was his call line. It was the ones he was getting rid of. He was calling his... He was going to leave him on the rail for the finals. But he wasn't using him, so he was just... That is a great story. (laughs) So Gary's... So what happens now? Does he get to still play or is he out now? Oh, no. You're gone. And I remember Junior Shuffle's number not getting, like, called out. Like, you'd maybe do the cut and they'd go out and the guy would call his numbers off. I remember Junior's number not getting called off. He rides this thing back in. Shows it in the finals. Like it was say three cuts of the junior pleasure, you know. And he he, he rides that thing back in, in the finals and gets gets points and a prize. Even though he didn't make the finals. Back. His number was never called. I'm sure it was an honest mistake on that judge's behalf. <laughs> That's amazing. Look, y'all can complain about the judges now. It was so bad back then. Right? <laughs> that takes a confident showman to be like, they didn't bring me back, but I'm going back yeah. anyway. Oh, Junior wasn't scared of a bear. Yeah. Different era. It was. It was so different. But, God dang, we had so much fun. That's what I mean. Like, hey, so... Hey, we go got ahead. done early. You know? We got done. We were done 8 o'clock at night. Every, you know, it was late night. Sometimes you were done at 6. So the shows were bigger, but you were done earlier, and it just seemed... Because we had less classes. You know? Now, then they'd go to running barrel horses there, and them guys would run them all night. At every like, where yeah, they'd be, they'd be, yeah, be 90, 100 in the barrel classes and run them all night. And we'd come the next morning, and that same poor old tired-ass judge was there. 
finishing up the barrels. Yeah, that was Porterville. The they get days. overtime, don't they? they there? So you know, I don't remember back then. I mean, I, I don't. But know. now they would. Now you would get overtime, but you'd get fined so bad from AQHA because you gotta have your show over. You know, and after so many hours, they're fining you for not being done. And you have to pay so mm-hmm. much money. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I want to have dinner. all the time. I lived in Michigan. Yeah. We would get done showing at a really at a pretty decent hour. At a decent hour to go eat yeah. dinner. But we'd all end up together. Yeah. That's the best thing about Gordyville. Yeah. And then as soon as we left, old Gene would drag the pen. Mm-hmm. And the donations would roll in. And it would literally go until... So I remember that we would go across the street and have some drinks and have dinner and come back and they were... Oh, you should. We'd close that freaking bar down. We would basically close the bar down and embarrass ourselves and then stumble back to the bar. And, and watch them still run barrels. They still be running barrels. Still. But I mean, like, not even halfway through it. They yeah. run barrels in Gordyville all night. That's kind of oh. fun, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, we thought so. Unless you were the poor bastard. Unless you were the run-running Unless you were the poor bastard judge who was watching the timer. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So you never worked for anybody? No. I I would go ride with guys. Like, Carp was the first guy that said that I had actually enough nerve to go get help from. Isn't he so nice? Oh, he's a great guy. You know, I'd say, hey, you know, I got to watch. I I had no shit about changing leads on one. You know, pull and poke. You know, hunt and peck. And he said, yeah, you want to come ride with me in a car? Sure, you can come ride with me. It'd be a good time. (laughs) Great guy. You know, and we're not that far apart in age. I mean, we're basically the same age. But at that time... Really? Yeah. He, you know, I asked him and I said, we were having drinks at the Congress. And I said, you know, I'd really like to bring something down this winter and hang out with you and change leads. He was in Hernando then. And I got to where I'd make that track. You know, and, and he was great to help me and teach me. And, you know, you were going to ride his horses, he'd ride your horses. Sure. And you were going to bust your ass all day. And then when you got done, you'd pour yourself a big old vodka and sit around and talk about your day. Best. Oh, it was so fun. What else? I mean. Yeah. Well, how's it getting better than that? That's actually what I love. We're, we're for the radio listeners, Rex, doing this when we're in Fox League uh, here in Venice. And the best thing about this horse show to me is everyone's really relaxed. Yeah. And we're all done at a decent hour, and we actually, and I've seen it all all week, we're all riding each other's horses. And and we're done by 6 o'clock? Yep. We can all go have dinner with our friends. Totally. And our clients, or our co-buddies. Yep. And it's not so... I was out there this evening, after we got done riding, and by the end of the night, Wade Black, and Don Baker, and me, and Karen Hornick... We, we had all rode each other's horses. Yeah. Like, just... It's the just, camaraderie of it. It's amazing. And that's more like it used to be. That's be exactly it. You'd be at a horse show years ago, and, and, and you know, I'd get on one of John Barry's, or John Barry would get on one oh. of mine's. You know, we, we, we would. We we wanted to beat each other, but we we were glad to help each other. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it that's would, exactly what yeah. Cleve said when the Rainers used to show at our horse shows, yeah. and we used to show around them. It was better because we had some more yeah. horsemanship yeah. going on, yeah. cross disciplinary yeah. help. Like I, there's some I, basic I, stuff. I remember talk, you know talking about Gordyville being there years ago. Wasn't Gordyville I mean, I, when Sean Flarida was a kid? He wasn't Sean Flarida. He was Sean. Sean, just a guy. Know, his, That's funny. His brother was the man then, Mike. You know, and yeah. Sean would come and bring some there, and we'd have so much fun. Like I took one to the level one championships there at. Uh, Wilmington this year, and then I drove up to Springfield and judged a two-day paint show. And I'm thinking, I need to find a horse, you know, somebody, place I can keep that horse. Sean's. They said Sean's right there. Call Sean. He ain't got time for with me. 
Sure. I, of course he does. And I saw Sean. I said, hey, Sean, that's John Boxall. You know, uh, I don't, I said, hey, Sean, you know, John, how you doing? And this was like, and he was like, I said, look, I know you're probably stacked full, but I need to bring a horse, possibly two, but I said, more than likely one, and leave it there. Yeah, no problem. I'll make it work. Don't worry about it. So kind. Sure. You know, and he did. And I mean, and I said, I brought feed and hay, and I set it in front of the skull, and he says, tell me what it gets. Tell the, or he said, don't tell me. Tell, tell the guys what it gets. And he sure. said, I'll make sure. Yeah, yeah. he makes sure it happens. But he was going to make sure they were well taken care of. And it was. He did it, you know. And I went over by there and checked on it. It was great. I'll back up a step in our conversation. You know, I went to ride with Carp. Um, I ended up in Wisconsin for about nine years. And I remember sitting down at my dad's bank across from him and said, you know, I'd like to quit my job and I just want to ride horses. And my dad looked across the desk at me is... Your dad was a banker? Banker. Yeah. Resident of the bank. So you're sitting across from the big desk. Mm-hmm. Very so your dad is an accountant. Yeah, very intimidating. Too. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. being in the principal's office anytime my dad, yeah. you know, anytime you're in dad's office, you sit down and had the talk. And, and, and my dad was a great, great guy. But, boy, he was very intimidating. And, you know, for a guy that was barely 5'6", he was extremely intimidating. You know, I, I towered over him, but I fought a chainsaw for it. I fought my dad. Is your family Italian? No. No, my dad kind of had a little Indian look to him, but they're English and German. Kind of. I just thought you looked just like uh, like a sexy Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny about that is Nancy Scott uh, did he now. Uh, when I rode a horse for them years ago, she always called me Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're, and you and her are the only two that referred to me. You're that. totally Dan Aykroyd, but like in in a not frumpy way. Like Dan Aykroyd's a little called, frumpy, and you're not. I thought maybe it's the receding hairline. No, it's, you're totally like sexy Dan Eckhart with cute glasses. <laughs> so, and, and that, Kitty Perry, the golfer, that that's a guy that uh, I've had kids walk up to me in the airport and ask me for my my really? autograph. Said, "Are you Kenny Perry, the golfer?" No, dude. Does he You've wear, never gone one time. I said, "Does he wear a cowboy hat?" <laughs> you know, I'm walking through there judging a horse show. I got a freaking cowboy. You don't hat take on. it in a hat can. Hell no. My dad is really good friends with um uh. Fuchs. Walter Fuchs. Oh, Walter. Walter Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in in, in the old days when Walter was thinner Mm -hmm. and Garth Brooks was huge, Mm -hmm. everybody thought Walter was Garth. Definitely. And he kind of had that shape, had that flat. Totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so literally I was with them and people would always walk up and ask for Walter's autograph thinking he was Garth. I was with them when that happened a lot. Yeah. Oh, I And also, when me and Donnie and Cootie were together, they would think that because Donnie always wore the floral shirts with yeah. cowboy hat, and they would think that Donnie was Kenny Chesney. Boy, I don't see that one, but I sure see Walter looked up. He yeah, had a, he, he was, was even just like even had a lot of that shape to him. Yeah, a little a little smaller version of Garth. But, but yeah. you're way sexier than Dan Aykroyd, John. We really went off topic with the Dan Aykroyd. Way, thing. I'm sorry. Way off. Okay, let's, so let's roll, roll, okay, sorry, roll, yeah. that, roll that one back. It yeah. happens. Yeah. So now um, we're sitting across from Dad at the bank, yeah. telling him we're yeah, going to be worse. And I tell my dad I'm going to quit my job, and he says, "Well, it's your life. You got to fuck it up the way you see fit." He said that. Yeah. Direct quote. Direct quote. My dad used to say to me about horses, "You got to fuck it up, you fix it." Yeah, and and he said, "You know, that's just mm-hmm. going to make you an old man way before your time. It's a make a living." Honestly, you know, I said, "Well, you know, it's what I want to do." I'm going to. I, I said, sure. You know, he says, "Well, I, I don't call me when it don't work." Basically, well, you know what. That's going to test your mud. You're either going to pull your jeans up, tighten your belt, and, and get after it. You have to be confident in your choice after yeah, that. And I, you know what? I was not going to be proved wrong. Sure. Come hell or high water. And I would never have called him if I was... if I was Starving. Uh, yeah, and there was a little point where he got a little lean. 
Um, sure. And, uh, you know, he, he called me one day and he said, uh, ah, this was probably after I'd done it for about a year and a half or two years. And he'd come up and he would show with me and hang out for about a week. He did he had a halter horse. He always kept halter horse and we fooled around, you know, and he would go horse showing with me and he'd been up there and he, we were sitting having a drink one night and he said, you know, this is not really the, the life I chose for you. I said, yeah, but you don't want me to be a banker either. He said, oh, God, no, I wouldn't want you to be a banker. I said, well, I don't want to be a pipeliner. I said, and he said, I don't. He said, you made the right choice for you. And he said, you know, he said, you bust your ass. And he said, you'll make a living. And I did. I, and, and I remember him calling me one time, and, and things were a little lean, and for various reasons. And um, he says, uh, call, he called me every day at 11 o'clock. It was his lunch hour. From 11 to 12, my phone would ring, and it would be my dad checking on my dad. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, every day. I mean, I guarantee there wasn't probably, during the week, there wasn't a day he didn't And you call. would question it if you didn't call, probably. like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After my dad passed away, I, I mean, I'd look at my You would watch still wait for it. I'd go, why ain't the plane pop call? And I'd go dial the phone. I'd be halfway through the phone. I've done that. I did that after my dad died, yeah, too. Probably for six months, you know, and just you, then you just get mad, you know, because this is way before cell phones, you know, I mean, or for... We could afford cell phones. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, he told me I made the right decision for me and yada, yada, and went through it. And uh, so he calls me one day and he says, what you doing? I said, just, you know, going through the horses. He said, you want me to call you earlier in the morning when I get up? I said, you want me to call you when I go to bed tonight? He said, no. I said, I rode 22 head yesterday, Pop. He said, excuse me? I said, I said, I rode 22 horses yesterday. That's a lot of horses. I said, I swung my leg over my first horse at 6.30. I said, I walked in the house at 11 o'clock last night, and I said, they brought me a sandwich to the pad. I'd take a handful of bridles, and I'd go to that pad, and I had a girl that saddled horses for me, and I busted my ass all day because I needed the money. And I, 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 I didn't care what piece of junk you wanted to rode, I rode it. I had two Arabs, a team pinner. I, I rode these Arabs for these folks for two years. They would show up every six months to see the progress. Well, after six months, there's going to be progress, and they just wanted them broke. They were going to they were going to be their backyard horses. You say, "Whoa, it better stop!" And the lady that sent me the team pinner cut my hair. She said she doesn't. <laughs> and I said, uh, "She said it doesn't stop when I say whoa, well, and it doesn't turn around very good." Okay. Well, we'll fix that. I, I it turned around pretty good because. I'd either slap it upside the head or spur it and it'd turn around, you know. I mean, you made it turn around. You made it turn around. You know, whatever, you know. I used the Kenny Eppers probably method, you know, a little bit there at times because it was a knucklehead. And when you said, well, it would duck its butt and it'd stop. And, and they were happy. But you just, you rode so many horses back then that were just horses. You know, I had an old guy pull in my driveway one day in a station wagon with wood grain on the side. <laughs> yes. And this guy had to be, yeah, in his 70s, you know. <laughs> And he says, I drive by here a lot. He says, I take it you ride horses. I said, sign up front your first clue. Sure. <laughs> and he's like, uh, my name's Lloyd Yokers. I live in Milwaukee, and I have a farm out west of here about 10 miles. And he says, I have a bunch of horses. I don't know what to do with them. He says, I don't know if they're good horses or bad horses. He said, my daughter likes to raise horses. Now i got a barn full of horses. <laughs> and I said, all right. I said, what do you want to do? He says, I need to get rid of some horses. I go through them. And I said, sure. I said, uh, I probably could only take, you know, one or two at a time. <laughs> Out of how many? Oh, I bet there was 40 head there. Dang sure 25. 
Is she raising them or just accumulating them? Yes. <laughs> I mean, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he said, well, would you take a truck and trailer out there and go look through them and pick two and get rid of them? And they're all so, Florida horses? Yeah. For the most part. Ish. Yeah, yeah ish. <laughs> Not attractive ones. So I would go get these things and I'd ride them for a month or two months. And I would. I what do you charge them? <laughs> for relative speaking. In my, in, my, in my brain, I would have told you this was probably 90, 1989 uh, or 90. Well, my dad died in August of 90, so this would have been somewhere around 90, 91. So I was seven or eight. Yeah. Thanks. You're Appreciate welcome. that. I was five or six. You're still on my hurricane <laughs> You're still my child. I was literally four. I was four or five. Yeah. So, wow. Thanks. Well, that bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to get a guy's armor real bad here. If it's any constellation, I started showing quarter horse in 96. <laughs> I, I went to my first one when I was uh, nine days old in the fall of 62. <laughs> oh, how old are you? 56. What? Are you? Yeah. You're a select. Yeah. Oh, man. That's <laughs> so much so. so. Are you really? Yeah. He's a legit select. Oh, you're I'm totally. Old. I'm old. Wow, there's, there's and you're still on my hurricane tornado team. Yeah, you, like I said, you might want to set that bar a little higher. So Mr. Lloyd, he come by and he said, is that okay with you? I said, sir, I, I'm so broke right now. I'd ride one <laughs> And he says, you're not going to cheat me. I said, no, sir. I said, I would promise you I will never cheat you out of a dollar. And, he, and, I, and I looked him square in the eye and he says, I believe me. Writes me a check for 1500 bucks. It might as well have been 15000 you Your know? life was so much better. Oh. In a day, I could like, go, <laughs> go eat real food. <laughs> yeah. no more Honey, we're going to dinner tonight. <laughs> you can no have a happy spam meal. for me. Yeah, yeah no spam and macaroni and cheese. No Reese cups. I was so broke at one time, my dad comes to visit me. I'm going to get sidetracked for a second. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> and he opens my refrigerator and he says, what the fuck's that? I said, I said, them two Reese cups at the top, Dad, that's breakfast. Them two in the middle are lunch, and then two at the bottom, that's supper. And I had a 12-pack of Diet Pepsi. And I said, I have a Diet Pepsi with each of their meals. And there was a bottle of, a, a, a bottle of water in there. I mean, that was all was in my refrigerator. It was it was empty. Well, at least that's like fat and a little bit of carbs, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I was dating Karen at the time, my wife. And she would bring me leftovers. Right. Oh, yeah. And like bring me something to eat because, yeah, she just. How did you meet Karen? Sold her a horse. She was, oh. she was an amateur, and she came to buy a horse for me. And how every good tale was it a nice end. horse, or was it one of the? She, she won the contest with it, so it didn't sell. Oh, oh. And I sold it to your dad. <laughs> you did after or before? After when I was done with it, he helped me sell it to some folks out east. Actually. Which horse was it? WSTK Chocolate Bar was a little brown mare that I bought. Her front feet went east and west. I sell her this horse for sixty-five hundred. It was cheap. And it was pretty green, and I'd sold it to another guy, and he was in a little pinch, and he wanted to sell it and just get his money back, and I'd sell it to her. But you had faith in the horse. You thought it was nice. It was a cute little horse, and it was a nice horse, and she just wanted to go show and get back into it. She'd been out of the business. And so I sell it to her springtime, you know, and ride that thing all year. So she shows with you all year? Yeah, and she... Now, at what point in time did, did you, you have the hots for her? Oh, this was way later. Oh. Yeah. We, oh, we were on a business level. At so that. it was all. It was so, all. So then, then, it, then it was, went. Then it went hard to the right. But yeah. So point. you were definitely within the lines for a long time. Yeah. 
And this was uh, Mr. Lloyd's horse? No, no. This was a guy named Art Cherasky from Talmadge, Ohio. Toledo. Remember those old yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know how he ended up there, but we had some horses for him, and he wanted he, he got in a little pinch and wanted to sell it, and I sold it to her, and it worked out okay. And I mean, I yeah. remember she shows that thing for like maybe two years. With you? Yeah. And, and when's we, the Congress? And we sell it. When's the Congress that fall? You know. You caught her on a tired night and wore her down. Yeah, eared her down, and uh, you, have, you were between the lines. You were being totally professional. This is my client. Mm. And. Mm. By then, it was probably getting to to hard. At which point did you know that the lines were so blurred that you have nothing to lose? Oh, 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 oh. I don't know. That's a tough story for our lives. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Back to Mr. Lloyd. Now, Mr. Lloyd gives me fifteen hundred bucks, and I go get two gildings over there. I just picked two because they were all the same. They were just a bunch of brombies. Yep. And I get these things broke and would ride them around. And I would run an ad in the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, the local, the Milwaukee paper. And people would come out and ride them. I sold two to a guy that would come with Jimmy Bound. He used to shoot my horses and he'd bring a friend with him. I can't think of his name. And that guy would, he bought two of them to take out west and sold them like for hunting horses, you know, to like. He'd and go hunting them. Yeah, he'd oh, come. and so if you caught something, you could tie them to the horse. Yeah, stuff. he would like. Or you'd shoot them shoot off, off of them. Yeah, he'd Not in shooting. Yeah, he would get them broke to shoot off of. But he really? was the first time he would try them. He'd come to my house and try them, and he'd shoot off of them. You were the OG cowboy mounted shooting. Yeah, this was way before, like, camp phone earplugs. OG. Yeah. <laughs> before this, was, this was way before camp phone earplugs. <laughs> the original so, gangster of the cowboy mounted yeah, shooting yeah, right yeah. here. Yeah, me. That's me. Yeah, me and Jim Bound and his buddy, you know. And, uh, and that guy sold, I was Jim's two or three, he took out West as like pack horse hunting horses, you know, and, and he'd sell them to those guides out there. I mean, he'd go hunt out there and he was a guide through the winter and do all that stuff and elk hunt and all that, but but then he'd sell them horses and come back empty and go, you know, spend the summer getting some more. Sure. So I'd sell, I'd put them in the paper and sell them to, you know, whoever, and I started getting Mr. Lloyd's horses down. And I sell those things and we go... We did that for, gosh, I bet three or four years. Took and that long to get through the song yet? Oh, God, yeah. Two at a time. Come yeah, on before now. Before man. Two at a time. Yeah. Absolutely. It takes a while to get rid yeah, of them. But you were getting rid of them. That and, was the most important you got, thing. And you got to remember, the daughter was still breeding that shit, too. <laughs> she was creating more. Oh, like, so you were getting rid of them as they yeah, were coming she in. Was, she was still creating more. And I said, you know, her name was Ann. I said, you, you, no. Time out. Yeah. <laughs> take a break for a while. Had this black stud and he was just playing rank and it it got her one day you know she was school teacher and she just go out there on the weekend they had just some she thought it was all flowers and it's purples yeah and this thing got this her. is my unicorn and, in and, my field yeah and it hurt as it bites and my face like, off it, it hurt her and it took a lot of surgery to put her face back together I mean, really it hurt her bad yeah and so Mr Lloyd says hey we got a problem and he says uh, I said what do you I said he said what do you think I'll do I said shoot it and I said if it'll hurt her you yeah, don't need he said, well, you know, she does. She doesn't think it was his fault. I said, well, then we need to cut it. So we, we gelded it and fixed it, and he was out of stud business and no more making more babies, more gildings for me. Did that make it, him better-minded? It, it, it saved her life. Yeah, it saved her. I mean, you know, she wasn't going to get rid of him because he was black and he was beautiful. It bit her face off and she still it, wanted it, to keep yeah, it. It took, her, it took one of her cheeks and it, 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 it disfigured her pretty good. It hurt her bad. And she still wanted to keep it a stud and love it. Because she loved him. You know, she would. You know, I think after she was hurt bad enough, she was okay with gelding it. I mean, I think she knew that it was more than she should handle. Most people guy, would put it down. She was okay with gelding it. Yeah, I would have shot it. I, I got to be honest, it. and I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not a man. I don't have testicles. Yeah. 
But I feel like I probably would have thrown it down dead sober. Katie, I know guys that your testicles are bigger than. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, I think. Yeah, you know that. I mean, but like, I probably would have laid it down sober and hurt it. Oh, yeah. Just for fun. Because at that point in time, it's dangerous. It hurt hurt a wonderfully nice lady. I mean, it hurt her bad. So, we gilled that one. and So, Mr. Lloyd gets the court horse journal. And he said, oh. you know what I've seen in these journals that I like? He says, those beautiful halter mares. He said, I would like to own a beautiful halter mare. He said, do you train those? And I said, I, I've fit a few halter And your dad had done my, halter My dad had done halter horses. So you were comfortable with You could fit my halter horses. Yeah, I always, yeah. you know, I could, I could fit a, a halter horse. It wasn't what I wanted to do, but I always Oh, you're good it. at it. Yeah, sure. And so I, uh, there were some folks like around there. He says, you know, I'm not going to give no crazy money. So I give like say twelve five, and this probably would have been in say ninety two. That's three. a lot of money, isn't it? it? It would have been at that point. It would twenty five thousand today. More. Uh, I'd say more like forty or fifty. Yeah, Maybe, more yeah. than that's to a get lot. that. To, I'm just trying to that, that caliber horse would be sure. forty forty fifty okay, yeah. a day. Like and a nice was, horse for sure. She was a great great weekender mid pack world show horse, Congress horse. But he okay. wasn't ever going to send her there. He just wanted to get the Grand Champion trophies in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, so he wanted the local horse shows. Just, he, yeah, he never hauled his... No, 40, 50... He wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. He was okay with that. He was yeah. good with that. He just wanted... And, and, like, if I was showing in Waukesha, he'd drive out in that same old tired-ass station wagon, sit on the fence, watch me show her. Sure. And was just... Like, I remember back in the day, my dad sold Royal Chick 2. He's going to be mad at you for saying this. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. For 50000 Yeah. And that was all oh, of it. King's Ransom. All of it. Yeah. But that's that like was... the apps. If you give 35 for an app, that's top dollar, isn't it? Yeah. Today, yeah. yeah. Sad. But at that point. But at, 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 at $50,000 back was, in 1990. That was your mortgage. That was huge. And I remember I remember I was young, but I remember my dad being like so, over the top. Oh. Would that be like 250 today? No. Probably bet more like, I bet more like 250 to 350 yeah, like it was it top was, of the line. It, it like, was, uh, yeah, and, that, like, and that horse was the top of the line. Like in 1990, I think it was 1990, I'm guessing, but I think it was be close, early 90s for sure. When when Dad sold Royal Chick 2 for 50000 he literally, like, might have been the highest selling horse in Congress, like, knocked it out. Oh, I'm sure. Just for, like, for comparative sake. And sales. I'm sure yeah. Ward sure got yeah, going. Yeah, so, like, 12.5 for a halter horse was probably. It was it was going to get you the weekend winner. Yeah, it was not going to get going you, away weekend. Was not going to get you the Congress winner. I have a big I have a big term big picture question. So when we sell these horses and we buy these horses, no one really knows how much they buy or sell for. It's all word of mouth, and so it sort of gets blown out of proportion, underestimated, overestimated. But, you, but no other business works like that. If you buy and sell a stock, yeah, it's written down and it's transparent. But even and this deal, how do you know what things are worth? If but you don't happened. know what people are really buying or selling for. Well, I, 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 let's use another Gary Trubius. This was back <laughs> years ago, too. He has many. Yeah, he said a horse is worth 57 cents a pound, and anything over that's a con game. And there's a lot of truth to that. And so here's what also... In, in theory. You're right. And what I also say to all my customers, including Sarah, numerous times, when when you price other horses and they're asking, let's say someone says their horse is worth 100000 Yeah. And then I go to Sarah and I'm like... Okay, I think we should sell this one, or 
Somebody wants to buy it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you want? What What's a fair price? Yeah. She's like, well. I think mine's better. Well, so-and-so wants 100 and mine's better than that one. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what I do anymore. No, but you used to. That's, I, this isn't a knock. I'm using yeah. you as an example. I try to rate. This is my point is I try to rate the business based on how it's going as sure. a trend. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to trend it when you don't really know the hard numbers. No. So, like, sure. people will inflate things and say they're selling for 350 when they're really selling for 125 yeah. And in your mind, you think, why am I not getting 250 but, for this one? But the point of my story is asking 100 and getting a hundred are two very different things. Different. But also feeling entitled to ask that price is a huge thing. Why do you feel entitled? Yeah, but anybody can ask a hundred. Yeah. I mean, I've asked the price for a horse I thought was but this is my question. And asked me 80. This is the only market where you can't mark trends objectively. No. It's the horse business. And so people, it's all a construction of what people we people buy think. with their heart. People buy with their heart. And, and, they're, and they're not... Horses not... My grandpa had a saying. He said they were pulling plows twenty years ago when I was a kid, you know. And he said, "You guys treat them like they're special." He says, "It's a horse. The horses lived in tie stalls. The cows got a stall to lay down in because they had to produce milk. They had to be well rested. That horse ate and went and pulled a plow all day. He was he was an sure. he was a work he was a tool. And 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 now we wait on them hand and foot. We take them to the spa. We swim them in the salt water. They are not our pets. We are their pets. <laughs> we wait on them hand and foot. And then, uh, hey, look, we've all had them great ones. We love and they've been good to us and that, you know. But it, it is it gets it gets not normal, guys. Let's it gets it gets not normal. It's good, not good normal. term. It's not normal. It's not normal. You know, it's it's still mm-hmm. okay. Like I can't sleep on my left side because it's on a rotator cuff, and I'm not I'm not complaining. But every day I get up, mm-hmm. and I still go do my job to the best of my ability, which is pretty good. And nobody swims you in salt and water. And nobody swims me in salt water. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I go to get a massage, uh, Tim's no one like, ejects you. No, like Tim makes <laughs> fun of me for getting a massage, yeah. but doesn't think twice when I take one to go get a shockwave. Yeah, and which costs more? At, <laughs> I mean, it is way more effective. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. What I'm trying to get to is the funny thing about the horse business and. Pricing horses and buying horses is, I don't know, like, I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, like... Totally my point. Yeah. I feel like I've priced a lot of horses that are 100 plus, but I've sold a ton of horses. I, I believe truly in my soul last year, I think I sold more horses than anybody I know. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that truly. And I sold a couple over 100. And I sold a couple above 50. But I sold so many... From 25 to 65. Like, just, I mean, over and over and over Let's again. safe range because you're not totally it, out, out on but, your ass. But see, that's reality. Yeah. And I think what people are doing is they're selling the above reality number. They're inflating the number. And I don't think they get that all they're doing is hurting us. Am sure, I wrong? Sure. Tell me I'm wrong. You sure. No, I don't me. think so because I think that... I think there's such a small market compared to... The, we're talking about what's different now than then is... There's so many less buyers, and so many guys don't want to sell their good horse out of their barn. So in order to get it bought, you almost have to leave it there. You know, and that's the part I guess I don't understand because I grew up in the the atmosphere at my house, same way with you at your dad's. Sell it and make another one. Right. Let's have I, that was so much fun to roll that horse over and go make the next batch. I turned Sarah into that. But to me, if your dad sells that horse for fifty thousand or you buy this horse for twelve five at the time, which is crazy. How do you defend that to the person spending the money? 
they just fall in love with it and have to have it. But what that has a that has a landslide effect on the whole industry because if that one's worth fifty, then mine's worth seventy five. But 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 how many man hours did you put in that horse to make it there? If you factor in man hours, you also have to factor in immediate gratification. And what are you going to win? Like, there's different kinds of buyers. And Long-term egos. and short-term goals, for sure. And yep. egos. It, egos. You know, just just like anything. I, we've got a great friend in our in our industry that, that that builds trucks, and I love them. They're 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 some of my best friends. You know, uh, he has a pretty honest saying, and, and I consider him him and his son-in-law great friends of mine. And uh, that's that's Wayne and Larry. You know, and those guys. Wayne has a saying, and this is funny, because at his age, he can say whatever he wants, and we all love it. He says, I can build you a truck. I'll build you a truck as big as your ego. Yes. And as well, big and as bad as you want. Yeah, I'll build whatever you want. However big your ego is, I can build a truck to fit your needs. You know, the funny thing about building a truck, though, is you can itemize the parts and price them accordingly. Well, she's a scientist. But you're still, you're still fulfilling an ego in a horse. And it's 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 got a heartbeat. It's got that hair, that heart, and that eye. That but those are unquantifiable to me. Like I can't put a price on the horse that's going to show harder than the next. Well, then one. you're too fucking scientific. Calm down. Oh snap! <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, how do you say like these yeah. are two really great horses, and this one's going to show longer and have a more a longer career than we this one. That, we don't have that crystal ball. But what you think is a better horse than me, I might not think is a better horse than you. That's why there's all those opinions. Out there. And diversity yeah. and cost, I suppose. I mean, it just seems so relative. It, it does. It's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's it's. But how do we mark the industry? Whether it's like, how does the industry proceed? Sarah's never been that way. I remember sitting at the Congress. Mm-hmm. This in is a good conversation. 70s. You guys just go with okay. us. I remember sitting at the Congress in the late seventies, maybe maybe eighty, and. Uh, I remember two major halter players, and this is this is all what you're talking about. Where you hear one sells for something, and what it really sells for totally this was, different. This was all part of the PR game before this horse shows at the Congress. Okay, who is going to be a good story? Uh, it was Jerry Wells and I think I think Dean Landers, but but anyway, there was a place called the Sheridan where everybody went to drink and hang at out at Congress. At the Congress, my mom talks about this. Yeah. And I remember Jerry Wells walking into the middle of this place with two stacks of money. Like cash? Like bricks? Yeah, like big. You know, he was a big, imposing man. And a gentle giant. No, he really wasn't. So he's mad he could whip your ass. But but he had money. But he, <laughs> he comes in with two big stacks of money. And he says, so we got a deal on this horse? Holds the money up, shows the guy. And the guy says, yeah. Sets it down and shakes his hand. But I really think it was all... In front of everybody? Yeah. Was that just for PR, the image? I honestly... Totally. I think it was total PR to get the buzz. This was before social media. So the only way you were going to get the buzz was through the people. Do it in front of people uh-huh. and they'll talk about it. And, they, and I mean that buzz, I guarantee it made it all the way to the hotel where them judges were. But you know how and fast it travels. One judge judged the studs. One judge judged the mayors. You know, Ooh. We didn't just all walk out there and there wasn't four of us. There was one guy. You know, And all they had to do was get the gossip to the right guy... To know which one was supposed to win. Well, get the get the perception going to where is that guy going to be ballsy enough to beat the one that you know? Well, that's a hundred thousand dollars right there. 
It might not have been. It might have been two big old stacks of $1 bills. You and know? hey, make no mistake, that still happens because word travels so fast. Oh, they give right. that much for that one. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it, no one ever knows. And no one knows no. if it's true or not. Look, it, there's there's two people know. The person that got that money and the person that gave that money. And no one knows where the commissions go. It, and that's none of anybody's it's business. It's not. And then that's where I think nowadays social media, everybody wants to know everybody's business. And I'm sorry. What I give for a car and what you give for a car ain't none of your damn business what I gave for that car. That's, that's called free enterprise. Yeah. We do live in the United States of America. It's, it's, and that's why we live here. And look, I, I mean, I'm as big a... If you hustle for it and you want to go make it, go make it. Don't cheat. Yep. Don't, don't, steal. don't cheat anybody. Don't that's steal. different. Don't, don't steal and don't cheat. That's right. But, and I believe, especially in this business, it's a small enough world. If you do bad business... It gets around really yeah, fast. At not, the same time, there's so much smoke and mirrors about the cost and value of horses. Yeah, the value is the real question. It's not the cost. Be in this yeah, but that, I believe truly, and, and this is a weird cycle of things. I think that, I think I've gained a reputation for being really honest. Like, I'll unsell a horse. Not at spoken, no. <laughs> and I, I mean, I try real hard. And 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 I don't I don't ever like if I, like if I sell a horse to somebody and it's not oh we donated a horse last month to a college, and it didn't stay sound, and it bothers me. Yeah. Like it. But that wasn't the intent. No, but it affects me. Sure. Like I didn't. It was a good horse. That wasn't the intent. I thought all. it would be fine because it yeah. just didn't pass the vet. It was just yeah. the best way out. Yeah. And I, it bothers me. Like I just don't want to do business like that. Sure. And I and I love like Sarah me and you have sold a lot of horses together. Yeah, I love when our horses go on and win everything. That is the best to me. That's the best. That's fun to me. It's fulfilling to so, both sure. of us. But there's two kinds of sellers. Some people feel good when they get out and they don't do. And food. they get the money or as much money. Yeah, as and say I'm not that person. Like I want to sell somebody a horse. You want to set them up for and success. then be super happy. Like. Be the biggest cheerleader. Yes, always, please. always. I think, like, I please call yeah. me and tell me that I need to come get your. I sold one, delivered it down here, and the the guy I sold it to, the trainer that we sold it to, and he calls me forty eight hours later, and you know that first phone call, you're like, Oh dear God, that's forty eight hours. <laughs> Sorry. You're like, Is it coming yeah. back? Yeah, is man. it coming back they or not? Fucking hate this thing. <laughs> Terrible. fixing to get me a, you know, and, and, I know. and his wife had showed the horse for me so I mean I knew they knew the horse better than most of us know when but still but you're you still, hold your breath the whole you time. hold your breath and he says hey he says you didn't tell me you had him broke to go over the poles and I think yeah I well, did you know at my house there's a set of everything poles. does everything there's a set of poles out there you know I'm sure he tried or loped across the pole you know Drew Drew the guy that you know we worked together he he is this recent yeah, Drew DeBerg. You're talking about Drew DeBerg. Yeah, Drew, yeah. Drew and I work together. You know, and he's at the ranch with me, and 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 so if there's poles out there, he or I are going to lope or try to cross them. Just, just, just what you do. Just something different. Just because. Yeah. It's just because you got to fill your day with something. And, and he laughs and he says, "No, literally over a pole." He says, "I have sprinklers sticking up out in my fields," <laughs> and he said she was out there riding, and this horse goes over the pole, and the pole's sticking straight up, you know, like a sprinkler, straight up like this, you know. And this horse goes over, and he's laughing. He says, it didn't bother him a bit. I said, thank God. I thought she was calling a bitch about this horse. Really? <laughs> yeah, and he says, this lady rides this horse around and has the smile from ear to ear. Doesn't that make you feel good? Oh, I mean, I, and, and I'm not saying this for show up on the radio. Isn't it great? That's why we do to it. To get a phone call from somebody. Totally. Like, I love to see the horses we've sold do great. I mean, yeah. it's truly 
And when it doesn't go well, happy. when and it I, doesn't go well, yeah. it hurts me I'm a little. More and, and I say, see the lady here the first day, and she says, "I love him." Oh man, it's best crazy. feeling and ever. She's got a smile. I said, so you take the deep side. I mean, I'm gonna get a tip and get a little more money on <laughs> no, this horse. No, no, like, no, no bonus. Come back. No bonus. Repeat business. Okay. Let's go back to Karen. We sidetracked a little. Oh yeah, sorry. So back to Karen. So I sell our horse. She does good that fall. And we kind of start dating that winter. At what point did you decide I'm going to ask her on a date? What did you use her? Like, tell us about how you <laughs> used her. No. Now we're going to cross the line. No. She, no. You're what? not going to tell us? Do you know my wife, how quiet she is? Mm-hmm. You knew that it was okay. <laughs> you knew you could cross the line well before you crossed it. I had a pretty good idea. <laughs> Let's put it this way. The window of opportunity she did show me was maybe cracked. And... Um, I probably, yeah, that was knew that was going to work out, and uh, to kind of dating and taking up, and she kind of started moving in and staying more and more, and she'd come up and ride and stay. So longer. she moved in with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I still have my farm. Up did you have Reese's in the fridge, or do you have more food? In the Are you fridge? still in Wisconsin? No, I, no, I'm still in Wisconsin. No, I, I was still on the Reese's diet. Yeah, but I was starting to sell a few more horses. and So maybe, maybe you can have some lettuce or veggies no, in there sometimes. No, so my dad comes for one of these days. <laughs> so I'm back to the story about my dad seeing what the fuck's in the refrigerator, you know. And he says, you ain't got no fucking bologna? I said, Dad, dad. is there bologna in there? He says, get in the truck. He says, God damn, we got to go to town. We at least got to have something to eat for lunch. What is that bologna? No, no. We go to town and we get a pound of bologna, a pound of cheese, a loaf of bread, and Lay's potato chips. And mustard. Now, I don't want fucking mustard on my bologna. I want a little Miracle Whip. But my dad liked mustard on his bologna, so we bought what he wanted. And if I wanted a bologna sandwich with mustard on it, I could have one with him. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought stuff and put in the fridge when he would be there, you know, on stage. He'd leave. And, you know, I'd eat some bread till it was moldy, and that was it. <laughs> but then, you know, things got a little better, you know. I started getting a little business, and everything was doing okay. And I had a pretty good group of amateurs. And, you know, got to where I didn't suck as a teacher and helping people. I, I still was terrible at it. But Is that hard? You said got to where I didn't suck. Yeah, yeah it's uh, hard. It's got to be hard. You when know, you, when and, you're used to doing horses for yeah, you. And no. I, you know, I remember riding, you know, somewhere at a horse show in, in Eppers, and I would talk, you know, Diane, and we're riding around talking, and she said, how's things going? We'd just, you know, BS, like, we all do, right? Isn't she wonderful? And she said, I said, you know, I really wish I was a better teacher. And she says, what do you mean? I said, well, I think I suck at helping people. I, I think it's a gift. I think, I, well, we used to, you know, I'm it's like, I'm like all young guys that train. Uh, and I see it a little, I've seen it with Drew, and he's trying to become a better teacher. And we, we talk about, you know, how, to, how your verbiage should be with your people and how to help them. And, and um, she says, well... Do you think about when you ride a horse what you're doing? No. No. It's all feel. Do you just feel your way through it? That's the problem. And you're so used to riding horses on your own that you... Yeah, you just... Don't talk your way through it. You just do it. You just get up and you go ride and you just... You ride by feel, you know? And and she says, well, the next time you're riding one, think about how you get that result. And and, And she said, think about how you would explain that to that person. Well... That's hard to do. But honestly, it kind of clarified for me how to maybe help somebody. Yeah, because you can and break it, it may, down a little. You know, because used to you just, you know, try to get one ready, ready, and hope it would stay for that person and tote them around. You know, and I had a group of amateur ladies that would come out and they would ride on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So they made me teach. 
That's you good. Know. You had group lessons on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yep, I had I had my little group. I, <laughs> yep, we had a big pattern. In the winter, we were in the indoor, and I had three ladies. Uh, and to this day, I still ride a horse for the one lady. That's nice. Um, and I'm still friends with all three of them. But when I left up there, the two, the one lady ended up selling her horse, and the other lady uh, kept it a couple years, and she sold it, and she has show dogs now. That's kind of cool. But we were all friends. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would have, I guess, amateur lady night, you know. And they would girls come, night. They yeah, would come girls out night. Maybe not, yeah, because that sounds like we're with amateur. The yeah, that's yeah. not good. That's not good. Uh, amateur yeah. ladies' night is yeah. not a good. Yeah. And the husbands came with. We'll clarify. Okay, okay. Uh, and you know we would ride, and they would you know say they'd show up at you know five thirty six o'clock whatever time you know that whatever it was, and and we'd ride you know, and they'd, they'd take their little group lesson, and you know a lot of times I'd sit out there on a two year old because I thought it was good for that cult to sit out there. So Probably was. And I could you know show them stuff, and I'd pass, and I'd teach them things. And we would ride, and, and it was Taco Tuesday at the little tavern around the corner, so we would ride, and the husbands would come, and they thought it was great, because when we were done, we were going to go have a few beers and some tacos, and the husbands enjoyed it. You know, give them something. So you made it fun for everyone. It was, the whole group had fun. And, and that it, makes the husband be okay with yeah, spending the money on the horses. Spending the money, and, and you know, Empers was good about that. She would take her people, and they would all go to the movies. You know, you, you know that lady taught me... How to run a, a business on, on, on the business side. Isn't she amazing? Yeah, actually, just just would have She's just have ride around talk and taught me how to be a little better teacher. You know, yeah. much as I've knocked heads with her over the years, and I mean we've had some some doozies. Uh, she was still <laughs> always, you know, we still to this day we'll call or talk, or she'll call me and ask, you know, bounce something off of you. We'd be somewhere and, and talk and. So you never really... Diane's an OG. Yeah. So you didn't apprentice under anybody, but you had so many important mentors, it seems oh, like. Oh, yeah. You know, my dad taught me business, business, real business, you know, and, and how to be smart with your money. Uh, and supported probably, you in your life choice. He probably... No, he really didn't, but he'd come around. <laughs> well, he bought you baloney. I mean... I warmed out. I, warmed, I worked hard enough that he knew I wasn't going to fail. And, you know, you just... Uh, you know, people in this industry, Carp helped me. You know, Diane was good to help. She, she probably helped me understand the mentality of a client as good as anybody, you know. And I'd watch. I mean, heck, I'd sit on that pad at the Congress when we had the track at the Congress. Oh, wasn't the track great? It was the greatest because I'd sit out there on one and I'd sit out there all day and watch. What are your two most memorable horses that you've seen on the track? Like, like when you think back on the track, what are the two best horses you ever saw? I don't know if it's the best. The, the biggest but thing. But the two I, things you remember the most. I remember um, James Kahn, and I want to say it was Heckman, riding him, had a log dallied off, and they were dragging a railroad tie <laughs> around there, you know, just dragging this tie all day to get this sandwich tired. You know, just a memorable deal. It was yeah. a great horse. Back in the day when you could do then, stuff yeah, like back that. Back then <laughs> when you could do stuff that they would be so bad at you about today. But I mean, he wasn't—he was not being mean to the horse. He wasn't tearing his head. So, what do you think about that? Like, why would that be frowned upon today if it's not mean to the horse? Uh, Yeah, there would be people that think that was a negative, you know, view and see that poor horse out there all day trudging along, pulling. But but they pulled a plow. But but I mean, it's just the it's times have changed. It's just that whole mentality. Is it the internet, or is it the people, or is it just society, or what is it? All the above. We're in such a soft society now. You know, we all got to get participation. Ooh, Ooh, that's a good expression. Yeah, you know, we live live in a in a world where everybody should get a ribbon. Well, how did we ever get better? We got our asses beat. I started out my brothers beating my ass to where I got to the point. You know, I wasn't. I, I was so excited the first time I beat my brother Chris at a horse show. Because he was good. You know, go back to your family show. My brother Chris, he was the shit when he was a youth. No participation awards back in the day. 
participation award. It was called a gate. We just, yeah, you make sure you get what happened. You Thanks, bye. Yeah, my brothers, we'd be in the trailer riding home. What'd you get then? Got the gate. You put that so much in the back of the trailer because we need some gates at the farm. You just jump. <laughs> then bust your balls, you know. What are you in it? I got a green fucking revenue, son of a bitch. You know. Sure. And you, how'd you get better? You want you wanted to bear down and beat somebody. How did you get a better horse? You took one that wasn't as good, and you made it at least a useful horse. Okay, you guys, so I'm going to end Mr. One Take John Boxel here for now. But we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening.